Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. The Gospel Explained. My name is Armand. Welcome to Life in the Sun. So far, we have been going through a series in the book of Romans, the, one of the foundational books of why we believe and what we believe on. We, uh, as I jump in, let me ask you this question, or if you know this person. How many of you have heard or had followed Nicholas Sandman? No, he's not in the Bible. And no, he's not the author of the notebook. That's a different Nicholas. How many of you have followed him or heard of him? Nicholas Sandman. He is a teenager that filed a lawsuit against one of the biggest news agencies in the world. Against six of them. Two has settled with him. With a worth of more than 200 million. And I think the, it's, uh, they didn't really say how much. And another one I think in the 100 million. But what was the lawsuit about? The lawsuit was about defamation. If I'm pronouncing that right. And it is when you slander someone. When you ruin someone's reputation. So... That's how serious it was that these news agency actually settled with him. So that means it's true. Well, Paul, now he's in the Bible, okay? He also went through a similar situation. When he wrote Romans, uh, in the book of Romans, in chapter 3, he writes this, verse 8. And why not say, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported, and as some appear that we say. Slander, right? Did he say it? Did he not say it? But that's what the perception was, that he did say, let us do evil that good may come. In another place in Romans, it seems like Paul also makes or introduces an idea that perhaps also caused another one. Go ahead. And this is coming from Romans chapter 5, verse 20. And he, re he writes this, or rather, this is what it says. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. For some reason, it seems like this statement that Paul wrote or Paul said kind of was taken out of context and almost like to make sure that you heard me right, Paul writes in chapter 6, verse 1. Go ahead. This is what he says in chapter 1 now, or verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So the, coming from the previous statement that he said, where, it's, where he said, uh, uh, the law entered that sin may abound, and where sin abounds, the grace of God abounded much more, or abounds much more. So now it seems like he's, uh, from that idea, this question came about. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So today we're going to answer this. We're going to answer this uh, passage, or we're going to look at chapter 6 of Romans, and we're going to look at this very idea. Is this really true? Is this really how God works, that in order for grace to abound, then we should continue to sin, as they were already slanderously uh, being accused of that, let, let us do evil that good may come. So, First and foremost, we can already know, we, uh, verse 2, Paul tells us exactly the answer. He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? We could stop there and we can say, okay, the answer is no. We do not live continuously in sin just so grace may abound. 
He said, no, certainly not. And what he's really saying is, no, get that out of your mind. That's not true. And then he says that, how shall we? So he's implying or he's saying that there is a we that actually who has died to sin, and because they have died to sin, they no longer live in sin. So that, that's his first two statement of the, of the chapter 6 of Romans. So we're going to look into this, okay? Are you ready? So let's, so our title for this series has been what? Gospel Explained. And we're going to do exactly that. We're going to explain verse by verse today, and we're going to look at, and we're going to, uh, we're going to explain why Paul said, certainly not, how shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? So verse 3, this is, this is how he continues. It says, do you not know? And a statement implying that you should know. It's implying that this is an essential concept of Christianity. You should know this. Do you not know? It says, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? So we hear the word death and we hear the word baptized. So he uses an illustration of baptism to get to, get to his answer on who is this people who died to sin and how did they die to sin. So baptism. Baptism in the Greek is really the word immerse, meaning to be covered on, to be overwhelmed. The Bible uses uh, several uh, ideas of baptism. We use it for water baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, another one in Bible is baptism of suffering. But here Paul uses baptism as to illustrate that we are, or we were baptized, meaning we were covered over in Christ. We were immersed in Christ. So how does that look like? This is how that looks like. I've used this uh, illustration several times. This is you. Okay, this is me, this is you. This is Christ. So to be baptized into Christ is to be immersed in Christ. Got that? So it says that we were baptized into his death. So since you are in Christ, if Christ were to go to Lone Star, where did you go? Lone Star. You went to Lone Star. If, if Jesus would have gone to Epa, where did you go? Epau. If Jesus had been buried, what happened to you? We were buried. It says that we were baptized into his death. So Jesus died. What happened to you? We died. So that's what Paul was illustrating, that the death that we died is really the death that Jesus died. But because we are covered over in him, we are as if one with him. So verse 4, it says then, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. So he were, we were buried. Jesus was buried. What happened to us? He died. What happened to us? We died. Then, of course, we didn't remain dead. It says that, that's, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So Christ was raised from the dead. What happened to us? We were raised from the dead. But we have not come to the point, how did we die to sin? So let's continue. Verse 5. So verse 5, Paul continues to say, for if we have been united together. Now, Paul introduces another word, united together. In the original King James, that word united together is the word planted together. And it's emphasizing a very 
close union. Close and union is like a, a, a comparative superlative, right? Close union. That, and that word planted together is really a, a description of how an agricultural grap takes life into the new branch. What, what is grafting? Perhaps you're asking what is grafting. Uh, go ahead and show them a picture. This is grafting. This is my, it's not that clear, but this is my grap. Quarantine makes you do new things. I experimented with grafting. What is grafting? So when Paul said we are united together, we're united together in the likeness of his death, what Paul was saying that is this, we were like grafted together in Christ. The leaves there is a lime tree, but if you can see that small twig, it's, uh, I, I'm sorry, my Samsung did not give me a very good picture. So you can see the saran wrap. That is where that twig is connected to the branch of the lime tree. That small twig is a mandarin orange. It took about a month until that mandarin orange twig started to have new leaves. So now, being grafted together, being united together, being planted together, my mandarin orange and my lime tree is as if they're just one. The source of life for my mandarin is now coming from the lime. And that's what Paul was saying, that when we were planted together in the likeness of the death of Christ, it's as if we were really one with Christ. Our life source really came from Christ. Amen? Isn't that amazing? We did, uh, because, and this is what Paul is saying. So if we, were, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So keep that in mind. Baptism, now he's saying that we're planted together. We've been grafted together. The life, the life source that we have is now coming from him. Amen? So verse 6. This is where Paul answers his question. So far we have learned that because in the, through baptism and being united together, when Christ died, what happened? We died. When Christ was buried, we were buried. And when he was resurrected, we were resurrected. But when he died and he was crucified, this is what actually died and was crucified. It says, knowing this, he, he first said, don't you not know? Now he's saying, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that was the one that was crucified. It was the old man. Another name for the old man is what we call the sinful nature. The old man is the man or the self in us that is patterned after Adam. It is this self, this is, it's that uh, within us that, has, that, in, uh, that always rebels against God and that always rebels against the command of God. That is the old man. And, according, and Paul is saying now that that was the one that died. That was the one that was crucified. When we identified with him in baptism, when he was crucified, the old man was crucified. This is the source of sin. It says that, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. The old man is the source of sin. The old man is the one that slaves us into sin. So now verse 6 actually ties in with verse 2 when Paul said, uh, when he said, uh, certainly not. How can we who had died to sin live any longer in it? By the identification of baptism, our old man has been crucified. It has died. It was buried. And when it was resurrected, when we, it, it, it was never resurrected, okay? That's another thing. 
So then it says here, for he who has died has been freed from sin. That's the reason why Paul said, no, we don't live any longer in sin. Amen? Because he already died. Next verse. So verse 8, Paul now says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. So because we are united with him, now we're going to talk about, so, so now we have uh, established the fact that the old man is dead. But now we're going to go to the resurrection. So what happened at the resurrection? It says that we also live with him. So going back to verse 5, it says that in the same likeness of his resurrection, what came out was a newness of life. In the crucifixion, the old man died. But in the resurrection, a new man was raised. Amen? So verse 9 says, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. And this new man, death has no dominion over our new man. That's what Paul was saying. So let me describe to you what that new man looks like. So the old man we know is a pattern after Adam. All the old man knows is to sin or rather to rebel against God and to rebel against the commandments of God. But the new man, Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 24, it says this. The new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness. This is the new man in us. Another one in, Gal in Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 describes the new man. The new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. The old man was patterned after Adam. The new man was patterned after Christ. Amen? So this is now what we're living in. Knowing that Christ had been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. So in this new man that we live in, death has no dominion over us. Amen? Amen. So we have established the death of the old man, and now the birth of the new man. Pattern, the old man was patterned after Adam. The new man was patterned after Christ. So verse 11. Verse, or Sorry, verse 10. So verse 10 now says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now we were not just buried. We didn't just uh, died, buried, was raised again to live on our own. There's a purpose now unto us. And that's what this uh, verse is saying. Paul was telling us that this new life is an eternal life. And it is life with the purpose of pleasing God and honoring God. So that's why you, you, we are not just born again to go back to sin. So going back to uh, what uh, Paul was really trying to say, that you don't live any longer to sin because the new man himself is patterned after Jesus and he is an eternal being. So likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's the, I want to say, solution but this is where uh, Paul tells us what to do. If the old man is really dead, Paul, then why is it that we still uh, feel the struggle and the, the pull of sin? It is because we still have a member in our body which is called the flesh. And the flesh is not really easily described. The flesh, some people call it like a screen wherein the inner man is displayed. Like, take, for example, a screen of a TV. 
What comes out of the screen of the TV is dependent on what channel you put it on. If you put it on a channel that's violent, what do you get? Violence. If you put in a family-friendly and wholesome uh, show, what do you get on your screen? Family-friendly, <laughs> uh, wholesome show, right? So the flesh is that. The inner man or our inner being is, is where our passions, our impulses, our desires come from. And it, it's played our, it, 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 we play through it through our, through our will, our emotions, our feelings. So what, is, what comes out is displayed, it's displayed to the flesh. So God was the one that crucified the old man. The old man and the flesh are not the same. The flesh remains until, and uh, when Jesus comes back, this is the last thing that we would shed, our flesh. So the flesh is what God tells us to crucify. The old man, God has already crucified. But since there is still a struggle of sin, that's the place where, we, where God says, crucify the flesh. Let it be submitted under God. Amen? But this is one of the things that, uh, that Paul tells us. Now reckon it. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Because it, it, it has already happened. It has already established that you are dead. And after that, you're, he said to reckon yourself now alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because that's what happened now after you died. Amen? So this is what Paul tells us. So next. Next verse please. So far we have been looking at scriptures about death, death, dead, dies, dead. And we have looked uh, and we have seen that because the old man is dead, the body of sin has been put away. It says that sin no longer has, uh, sin no longer, we are no longer a slave to sin. We have, uh, the death that he died freed us from sin. Amen. So if we're already preached in sin, Paul again tells us this is, your, this is the application part. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. The word reign there is really to make sin or to make, uh, to be king. So Paul is saying that don't let sin be the king over your mortal body. He's already been cast away. He's already been crucified. You are now free from sin. Yes, there's, a, there's still a pull of the flesh, but the root cause of sin has been dealt with. It has been crucified already. Amen? So now we have the power to really not sin reign in our mortal bodies. And you should not obey in its lust. So there's a story. This is a very interesting story. So now it's really now the power to say no to sin is in us because we've already been freed. Let me read you a story. This is a very interesting story. This is, uh, in the 14th century, there was a, two brothers who were fighting over the title of Duke. It, it happened in Belgium. Uh, the, elder's brother's name, uh, the elder brother's name was Reynald, but he was commonly called Crassus or Crassus a Latin nickname meaning fat, for he was horribly obese. After a heated battle, Reynald's younger brother, Edward, led a successful revolt against him and assumed the title of Duke over his land. But instead of killing Reynald, Edward devised a curious imprisonment. He had a room in the castle built around Crassus, a room with only one door, the door was not locked. The windows were not barred. 
And Edward promised Reynold that he could regain his land and his title any time that he wanted to. All he would have to do is leave the room. The obstacle to freedom was not in the door or it was not in the window, but with Reynold himself. Being grossly overweight, he could not fit through the door, even though it was of near normal size. All Reynold needed to do was diet down to a smaller size than walk out a pre-man with all he had before his fall. However, his younger brother kept sending him an assortment of tasty food. And Reynolds' desire to be free never won out over his desire to eat. Some would accuse Duke Edward of being cruel to his older brother, but he would simply reply. Here's the re this is what he replied. My brother is not a prisoner. He may leave when he so wills. Church, we are no longer prisoners of sin. It is now upon our choosing and to submit our mortal body and don't let sin reign in our lives. It's already been done. We've been freed from sin. We don't need to be like Reynald. Amen? So how do we do it? We do it in the next verse. How do we submit our body? Sorry, no. Uh, verse 13. And do not present your members... Members here is your body parts, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your foot, everything, your body parts. Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. That is the application. We are no longer prisoners. We are free to walk out. But what we need to do is submit to God and to allow, and don't submit or don't present our members as instruments of righteousness. An example of this would be our man, King David. <clears throat> King David, when he presented his bodies for, as an instrument of sin, how? When he looked upon, he used his eyes to look upon Bathsheba, and what happened? Sin happened. Unrighteousness happened. Adultery happened. After adultery, murder happened. But when David presented his hand to God as, a, or as an instrument of, uh, of, of righteousness, his hand defeated who? Goliath and, and Israel became uh, vict uh, the victory, victors. Amen? So that's what it is. This is the application part. We are no longer prisoners. We are freed from sin. And that's why Paul is saying, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How can we who have died to sin live in it any longer? Amen? And last verse. <clears throat> we begin in, from 520 where it says, the law entered so that sin may abound, and where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Now we end with this, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The law was given so that sin may abound, meaning the law was given or, or entered so that man can see how bad he is. But the law can never reform the old man. Through grace, the old man was crucified. Through Christ, the old man died. And out of that death came a new man, the new man that is patterned over Jesus. And this new man has freedom over sin, and death has no dominion over this new man. Amen? Amen. And lastly, 
Charles Spurgeon said this, God has so changed your nature. Pastor Mark have used this illustration before that when God did a circumcision within our heart, it was the sinful nature that was cut away. So that's what happened here. God has so changed our nature or your nature by his grace that when you sin, you shall be like a fish on dry land. You shall be out of your element and long to get into a right state again. You cannot sin for you love God. The sinner may drink sin down as the ox drink it down water, but, you, but to you it shall be as the brine of the sea. You may become so foolish to try the pleasures of the world, but they shall be no pleasures to you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. This is what Christ has done for us, church. God has given us a freedom over sin. That's why whenever we, we sing freedom, that's the freedom that we are declaring, that we are free from sin. Sin has no, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves or death has no longer dominion over us. But we were also instructed to reckon it. It's already established, it's already established our death and our resurrection. It's now we need to acknowledge it. Amen? We already been given the freedom. Before, I just want to pray for us. But before I pray for us as a church, I also want to give an opportunity. If this is the first time you hearing this, that you've been freed from sin through Christ, but yet you have never made that decision to walk in that freedom because you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, I just want to give that opportunity before we dismiss. Is there anybody here who has not done that, but yet today you say, I want that freedom. I want to walk in the freedom from sin. I don't want, I don't want to be a slave to sin anymore. And if that's you, I'll pray with you. But I, also, but I just want to know uh, who I will be praying for before we dismiss. So anybody here, you want that today? You want to say, Lord, I want you. I want to be free from sin. If that's you, you can just raise up your hand and we can pray together. Anybody? Okay, I'm assuming everybody's family then. So now I just want to pray for, uh, uh, for us. So the, the command that Paul says is, likewise, we also reckon ourselves, reckon yourself to be dead indeed, indeed to sin and alive in God. That's to acknowledge that we really are dead and we really are alive. So let's just do that. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus to us. We thank you that through Christ, we have this freedom from sin. We have this freedom from death. And Father, we pray that as we continue in this journey, as we continue in this, in this process of sanctification, thank you that you have already done the circumcision. You've already crucified the old man and that you have already raised us up as a new man. So Father, we just continue to walk in the new life. We just continue to walk in the newness of life, as Paul said. And I just pray, Father, for us as we are dismissed. I just pray that you continually keep us safe, continually to keep us safe as we go in and as we go out. Father, thank you, Father, that you are our refuge, you are our shelter, you are our rock. And Father, thank you for what you have done to us. I pray that you would bless us, keep us, may we, and may we just do what it is that you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
You're dismissed, church.